Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Outfield, pull up, ball to the five, touchdown, Tampa Bay. My Gubbins does it again. Fire the cannons, Bucks. It's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Those up with it. Hands in the It is a victory Monday edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. Welcome back. I'm your host, as always, Rep Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com. Mr. Evan Wanish. Joining us today, a return guest, great friend of the pod at this point. Love having this guy on and excited to dive into today's conversation. The lead NFL draft analyst for Pro Football Focus, Tampa Bay Trey himself. Trevor Sikama back on the show. How you doing, Trevor? I am doing fantastic. Uh, Evan was saying right before we hit record that I think the last time I was on the show was pre-draft so it's been a while. It's been too long even so I'm excited to talk some Bucks, Bucks football with you guys. It's been a been a heavy week because the Bucks are fresh off of two wins back-to-back division wins in a terrible NFC South and people seem angrier than ever with this team a, a lot of people are ready to you know just give up on the season and already look ahead to mock drafts but the Bucks very much alive in their quest for the postseason and what could be a third straight division title which I, I can't imagine complaining about something like that five years ago but it's been an incredibly divisive conversation this week and we're just going to dive right into it so the Bucs are sitting with a 6-7 and seven record, tied with uh, two other teams in the NFC South, and it's going to get real uncomfortable here to finish the regular season as the Bucs hopefully punch their ticket to the postseason. But they keep on winning, and, and people are upset because, you know, it, it was a horrible stretch in the middle of the season after a 3-1 and one start that really seemed to dupe people, and then you lose six out of your last seven. You really can't build much momentum, but here we go. Now they're winning a couple of games when they need to. Four games left on the season. Two of those being division games. You got to win at least two out of those four games if you're going to take this division. And again, people are just split on where they want this team to end up. Between the quarterback, between the offensive coordinator, between Todd Bowles and his second year as head coach. I mean, the discussion is all over the place. But the million-dollar question is, when we talk about long-term success, we talk about team building and what is best for the future of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers... If you look at a playoff appearance this year, you can hang your hat on hanging a banner. It's a it's a franchise with not a lot of success in their history. You know, two Super Bowls, which is great, but outside of that championship window, the Bucs haven't done a lot of great things. So I, I feel like the more playoff appearances, the better, but there's also people who fear with a playoff appearance, then Todd Bowles is retained, potentially Baker Mayfield is retained, and the Bucs get shellacked in the first round of the playoffs, ultimately setting up, a similar outcome next season. So Trevor, I want to ask you, where do you fall in this argument with, you know, what really is best for the Bucks? Is it making the postseason and potentially getting shellacked in the first round, or is it missing the playoffs, moving on from Todd Bowles and taking a big swing here in this first round that is loaded with potential future franchise quarterbacks? Yeah, obviously it's, it's, it's kind of like a loaded question and a loaded conversation because I'll just preface it and we'll dig more into the details, but I am somebody who believed that it would be more advantageous for this team to have a better draft pick this year 
and to really be able to rebuild the team in 2024, kind of truly turn the final page of the Brady era and be able to move on where there's a lot of pieces that are still around. Um, and if you kind of like hang on to those without Brady, I mean, we've seen what's going on in new England. Not that I think it's going to be that bad because it's not the exact same situation, but without Brady, I mean, a lot of those other pieces that you brought in, how successful can they be on their own, especially when you're replacing him at the most important position as quarterback. So even though I'm somebody who I felt like the best long-term um, result for this team this season would have probably been to get a better draft pick, a top 12, a top 10 pick, something like that. It, it, it It's not like the, the team is never going to try to lose games, right? Ownership's never going to try to lose games. Management's never going to try to lose games. Coaches, players, they're never going to try to lose games. So I can understand why Bucks fans have kind of been frustrated with some of these wins that they've had down the wire over the last couple of weeks, because Maybe they've seen things and, and kind of made it up in their mind that, that they that they don't want that. But that's just not how the game is going to go. So I think that that's a frustrating part of it. Um, so in a vacuum, I think you have to talk about that. You also have to bring up the fact that you guys know this. Your listeners know this. I know this from growing up a Bucks fan my whole life. A, a losing culture is real. You know, like when I was working for Peter Report during some of the Jameis Winston years and, and the Dirt Cutter era, like they had a lot of really good offenses on that team. Mm-hmm. They, they could put up a crap ton of points. They could score with anybody, but they just ne- they could never figure it out. It felt like in the same week, either the defense was terrible and the offense was good or the offenses was terrible. And then the defense was good. The head coaches were making boneheaded decisions. The play calling was bad. It was always something. And it's just like this team never knew how to win. They were losers. It was a loser franchise and it was a loser state of where they were. You get Tom Brady and obviously he is the goat. He's the greatest winner in this in this sport that we have ever seen. And that changes, right? I think the whole narrative changes. They went into every single week believing that they were going to win football games. And so even though, you know, like myself included, you may think, ah, maybe it's a little better year if they get a draft pick and they get an impact football player. You never want to get into this rut where you just become this franchise that is used to losing. So all of that is, I say all of that as a preface to say my opinion would be I don't think Todd Bowles is going to be a Super Bowl or long-term playoff caliber head coach. So I think that that is something that needs to get changed if they want to ultimately make it to the mountaintop. I like Baker Mayfield. I really do. He's so much fun to root for. When it's going good, it's like there's no other quarterback that you would want to have as the uh, as the quarterback of your team. But is he somebody who is going to give you the consistencies to eventually get to that point? I mean, he hasn't to this point in his career. He looks okay, but it's still very up and down for Mayfield. And I just think that there's areas of the roster, certainly on the defense, that we're seeing that need to get fixed this offseason. And it would help if they had better draft picks for it. So um, I understand why they have the core that they do, both in the coaching staff and in the roster. But I don't think this core has the makeup of a... Super Bowl caliber team, even down the road, two, three, four years. So that's why, to me, I feel like it would be most advantageous for for them to make some really tough changes. But who knows if they do that if they end up winning the division? Yeah, no, and it's uh, and that's what I think we've been talking about, sort of not in the current Bucks, but the Bucks from two years from now, three years from now, four years from now. That's what matters to me more than this current Bucks team, 
right? Because this current Bucks team, just like you said, Sabo is going to be the guy that even gets them to an NFC title game. Probably not. Like, is Baker Mayfield going to be that guy? History has shown probably not. Like, he's he's probably not going to be the guy. Can they be good enough to win you a few games? Sure. Like, we've seen that from Baker, you know, in Cleveland. He went to the playoffs. Um, it wasn't just all Baker, obviously, with that. But, um, you know, and we've seen it this year. Like, there's been times where Baker's played well enough to win you the game. And even in that Houston game, like, Baker played, like, well enough to win that they should have won that game. And the defense mm-hmm. blew it. And I think that's the biggest indictment on Bulls right now is – the regression of this defense and right. you look at players and you mentioned something interesting of sort of turning the corner, right? Flipping the other page on the Brady era, sort of closing that book. And I do think maybe firing Todd Bowles, getting a brand new coaching staff, right? A, a full slate. Um, you're talking about when we're going to get into like some, a little bit of free agent talk in a little bit because the Bucks have a mountain list of free agents to re-sign maybe, but guys like Devin White, like would he be back? He's a, was a big part of the Brady era. I mean, even guys that are still under contract for next year, like Shaq Barrett, like he hasn't been the same player. Is that the type of player? So uh, I do think, like you said, uh, to me, treading water in the NFL just isn't going to work. Uh, to mm-hmm. me, if you're in the middle, you're basically last. Uh, I, I I think if you're in that 15 to 20 range of the draft consistently every year, you're winning six, seven, eight games. You're not good enough to be a real contender, but you're also not bad enough to get the, the franchise changer. Can you find a franchise changing player at 16th overall? Sure. Like Lamar Jackson was the 32nd overall pick. You know, like it can happen, but it makes it easier when you're picking in that top 10, like you said. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that of those teams that have never been like, say, catastrophically bad, the ones that can kind of stay around the middle, stay competitive, like, you know, their worst years are right around the middle of the draft. And then their best years are they're still competing teams. The key to all that is certainly quarterback goes a long way into it. But my point is head coach. Like head coach is the reason why you have teams that can, okay, on their worst years, they're still a six, seven, eight win team. And in their best years, they're competing for deep playoff runs. Head coach is the key to all of that. And to me, the regression that we have seen on the defensive side of the ball, I I just don't think that Bowles is a head coach in this league. I I just don't. I, I he's He had his tenure with the New York Jets. Obviously, you know, like kind of taking over the way things were, you know, the way that he got the head coach headset from Arians, I guess it was a little clunky or not as natural as sometimes it is because there's a lot of people on that coaching staff that it's like, okay, you know, Arians is handing you the reins, but, you know, he's handing you the reins and it's it's not like, it's like, all right, cool. Let me, let me fire some people. Like, let me get cutthroat with the roster. So it's kind of in the situation where he maybe didn't have exactly as much control as he's wanted to so i think that is a little bit of context for him but head coach decision making fourth down decision making timeout decision making the regression of the defense like it just tells me that i i just don't think Bowles is is cut out to be that caliber type of a head coach that can really raise the floor for what your team is every single year and because of that i wouldn't want to hang on to that longer than i need to you brought up the circumstances of that first season, and that's why I've kind of been a little more patient than the next person about Todd Bowles as head coach of the Bucks because, again, he found out, what, two, three weeks after Brady announced he was coming back in March that, 
you know, he was going to be the head coach of the Bucks because Arians decides to retire on the spot, whatever that was about. I don't think we're ever going to get all the answers about that. But mm-hmm. regardless, he didn't get the best chance to bring in his own staff to evaluate his coaches, right? I, I mean, Pewter Report, Scott Reynolds was talking about how halfway through the season, you know, firing Byron Left, which wasn't exactly the best option because there just wasn't anyone else available. Like, he didn't have a right. chance to address anything at all about what that staff looked like, especially at the OC position. So you bring in Dave Canales, you bring in a couple of new staff changes, and obviously you get another go at a quarterback here with Baker Mayfield, who we knew was going to be a stopgap QB this year. I don't think anyone was picking the Bucks to, you know, win the NFC South by a bunch. I, I picked them to win seven games. Evan predicted them to win six all year. But as far as the Glazers and as we forecast what the rest of this season is going to look like, we know the defense has regressed. We know some of these players have regressed. You know, uh, Carlton Davis hasn't had the strongest year. I know he's been playing well since coming back from injury, but he hasn't had the strongest year. Jamel Dean, he's been bothered by injuries. Devin White may have possibly played his way out of Tampa Bay by not showing up and, and being the linebacker that he was hoping to be this season. Mm-hmm. The Glazers with, you know, the Bucks still very much alive in a playoff race. If they make the postseason and they get shellacked in the first round, are the Glazers going to take into account all the points that you had just brought up about Todd Bowles? And are they going to be able to justify letting this guy go after two straight playoff appearances? I mean, again, the Bucks, if they make the postseason, we're talking about four straight trips to the postseason, three of those being division titles and one of them being a Super Bowl. And granted, it's, right. it's two very, very different situations when we talk about Head coach, uh, head coach Bruce Arians and head coach Todd Bowles, but like, I mean, clearly they have seen the problems that were there this season and last season with Bowles as head coach. Yeah, and I don't even know if it has to go all the way up to like ownership. Like, I I think that you can trust Jason Light to make that decision appropriately. Like, Light has been a really good judge of football character, I think, whether it's been head coaches or the people that he has drafted or the people that he has brought in for free agency. Not that he's, you know, like batting a thousand, but certainly he is, to me, he's he's a top five GM in the league. And he doesn't get nearly as much love as he should. But I think a reason why that's the case is because he has been a good decision maker. He has been an objective decision maker when it comes to where the money gets allocated in the salary cap, what coaches you're bringing in, things like that. And so, I don't think there are other general managers who have been in this position or ownership who has been in this position who I think would stick their head in the sand a little bit more about it and just go, oh, three division titles. What do you mean? What are you not happy about? And it's like, okay, this team had one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. Things clearly weren't going well for a a lot of their games this season. And it was the fact that there wasn't a really good decent team in this league as to or sorry in this division as to why they ended up hosting that playoff game so i i i would trust jason to look at this objectively like if he truly believe because he knows that he's at a he's he is at a crossroads too not in terms of like him getting fired or not that's not what i mean i mean depending on how savage you want to get with this roster this offseason you can move on from basically every coach that you have on this roster. You have the flexibility to move on from quarterback, whether you're drafting one, whether you're signing one, whether you're bringing back Baker Mayfield, everything is on the table. There's the ultimate flexibility with the most important position and the most high price position. Obviously you have big decisions to make when it comes to Mike Evans, future Devin white's future, 
soon down the road, Antoine Newfield Jr., Tristan Wirth's future, right? And so I think that Light is not going to take this lightly, full pun intended, because he's not just going to shell out this money or he's not going to just continue to kick the can down the road because, because he knows that if he does that from a point of narrow-mindedness, it's going to come back to bite him big time because for as much great things as Jason Light has done for this team, and you know, obviously he is he's built the roster so fantastically. The salary cap's in a great position, even with the Super Bowl window. They obviously are able to bring in Bruce Arians and Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and all those guys to win that Super Bowl. Light had a big hand in doing that. If you swing and miss on what is a pivotal next step of this organization that becomes your most recent contribution to where the team is going and your leadership of it. So I don't think, so, you know, like when you talk about like the Glazers, are they going to step in anything like that? I really don't think they have to. I think that, I think that light is going to uh, be able to assess this situation appropriately. And ultimately I still think that even with them tied for first place in this division, I think the evidence is there for you to make a change this offseason ahead coach. And and here's the thing that I didn't mean to cut you off there, Rhett. Um, but I, I was thinking about this last night. And actually, I was having a conversation with our buddy James from uh, from Mr. Bucks Nation, and uh, he brought up actually a, a really good point. I was like, "Yeah, you might be right." Like, I think even if they make the playoffs, and I, I talked about this last night on the post game pod, but depending on how that playoff game goes, like I don't think Todd is safe. You know, if I agree. it's a, if it's I a agree. repeat of the wild card game last year, right? Same play, same opponent. It could be the Dallas Cowboys in Tampa. If it's a repeat, how does he keep his job? And and here's the thing: let's say Jason Light says, "All right, I want to give Todd Bowles one more year, a, a, a third year," and let's say you have a repeat of this. I, who's to say that in 2024, the Glazers just don't say, all right, Todd and Jason, you're both gone, you know, because I, I think that's the risk Jason Light could potentially run by keeping Todd Bowles for one more season. Because let's say they go six and 11 next year or or seven and 10. Mm-hmm. Who's to say that the Glazers just don't fully hit the reset button? Whereas if Jason Light fires Todd Bowles this year and hires his own head coach, I think he buys himself a little bit more time, even if the team struggles next year. Let me ask an honest question, though. Do we know it, it, you know, what level, how much Jason Light had to do with making Todd Bowles the next head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Because they really made it seem like it was Bruce's decision from yeah. top to bottom, but I'm sure that there were a bunch of other people who had to co-sign with it. Like it wasn't an overnight. Yeah, decision. I'm, I'm sure he had to, he had to sign off for sure. Like yeah. I'm I'm sure if he had any reservations, like. But again, just like you said earlier, though, Rhett, it was it was March 30th. Like, yeah, who, who's hiring a head coach, brand new head coach, March 30th? Like, and, and, <laughs> yeah, right. And so, like to me, I, I don't want to say that Jason was well. First and foremost, I think Jason's got a little bit more of a leash than that. You know, like even if they he were to re-sign Todd Bowles and they were to struggle next year. I think like if it goes so bad that ownership steps in and they go, okay, we're making an executive decision. We're firing bulls. I would be extremely shocked if they were like, no, 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 that was a bad decision by you. Both of you are gone. I think that he's got enough good graces to where he's safe for the 2024, (laughs) but it does, like I said, matter moving forward. Cause you don't want to, you still, for as much as he's done good for the franchise, you don't want to swing and miss like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that like, that's something that he's got to take into consideration when it comes to, when you really when you really like step back and think about it 
you guys brought up the timeline of Arians retiring and essentially retiring to handpick Bowles, right? Because yeah. remember the reason why he did this. He did this because he wanted to give Todd Bowles a fair chance because he often, you know, he, he said, and this was talked about, African-American head coaches don't really get a fair shake in this league. Even if they get the opportunity to be a head coach, there's a lot of minority coaches, especially head coaches, that have gotten gigs where it's like, mm, all right, you basically got like one and a half, two years to figure it out. And if there's any sign of things going wrong, we're all right, we're pulling the plug. We're getting out of here. And that's, that's not really a fair way to do things. So to think that Arians gives Todd Bowles – I don't want to say Gibbs because he's been a coach in this league a long time. That means to say that like he doesn't deserve it. But so Todd Bowles gets the head coach job in that manner. You give him last year with Brady. Things clearly don't go well. Byron Leftwich clearly not a not a legit offensive coordinator in this league. He's not. And so you kind of chalk it up to that. And then you basically say, like, okay, now you we will give you a full offseason now to figure things out. Get some new guys in the building, change things up if you want to, Todd. So to me. It Bowles was always a two-year timeline. They weren't going to fire him after last year, no matter really how, unless it was like Urban Meyer levels of right. catastrophe, which it wasn't. They weren't going to fire him next year. This was always the pivotal year. And to me, you cannot hang your hat on a hollow. I, I understand it's very hard to win in this league. I get it. But they're still below 500, right? Even though they have the division lead. So they've lost more games than they've won. You cannot just say blindly, oh, we're winning a division. He won a division. He's like, he's fine. He's got to be safe. And I don't, I don't think that that's going to be the case because I agree with you guys. Philly is still a powerhouse. The Eagles are still a powerhouse, even if they aren't as dominant as they were last year. Dallas looks better than they did last year. If Tampa has to host either of those teams, I think they're getting smacked. So if that's the case, just because you get to say you won probably the least competitive, I don't want to say least competitive, but um, the, the, the worst, the worst maybe, division worst, in the NFL. worst division in football, yeah. just because you won the worst division in football and got absolutely obliterated by legitimate playoff teams. That doesn't protect Todd Bowles job, in my opinion. So I, I fully agree with you guys, even if they win the division, I think they could still probably do what I think is the right thing and move on from Todd Bowles and turn the page on a lot of this other stuff. And and the interesting thing, and the reason I wanted to bring this up was because we saw something in, in the in the chat. Jason really has only picked two head coaches in, in his career. I mean, that was Dirk Cutter and, and Bruce Arians. Lovey yeah. Smith was there before Jason Light. Right. And, and then this whole thing with Todd Bowles was kind of a little weird. So, like... Yeah, you know, typically GMs don't usually get three chances to pick a head coach. Typically, you get at most two, right? Um, especially in today's NFL, it's been mostly one. Um, but for for Jason Light in this case, because just like you said, he's built them good graces of hiring Bruce Arians, which I think that basically saved his job. I think the Glazers were, I think he was on thin ice, sort of after that twenty the twenty eighteen season. I think yeah. it was close. Um, he had to thing, nail it. He had yeah. to nail the next head coach or else he would have that would have been yeah one of his last couple of years yeah i i think and if, if the arians thing didn't work out i i i think yeah jason light would have followed uh would, would have followed um you know in the footsteps of, of dirt cutter pretty shortly but right i don't want to i don't want to like um uh hijack the schedule of the show so i don't know if you guys were going to bring this up but like head coaching candidates have you guys talked about that here on uh, the show were we going to talk about that very well, little so, very, very little because we've been 
if they lost yesterday, we, we would have had a more discussion of, about it. Um, sure. Sure. Be, because if they lost yesterday, like, look, like if, if they lost yesterday, which it was looking, they probably should have. But I actually said it should have ended in a tie because I didn't think either team played well <laughs> enough to win. But um, I just have one name that I want to throw out. Ahead, I don't good. know. If, I don't know if people have because like people bring up Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions. I'll bring up like a Chiro Evero from the Panthers. I'll bring up, uh, you know, one. Callahan from the Bengals. Uh, they'll bring up like guys like that. Todd Munkin's the name that I yep. like. That, that I I brought him up a few yeah. weeks ago. Yep. I I like yeah. Todd Munkin a lot for this Buccaneers team, especially for where it's going. One, he's got the familiarity, right? He already has worked with a lot of these players. He got a ton out of Mike Evans, got a ton out of Chris Godwin. He's played with a lot of the core guys that are still there. He knows the Tampa area. He knows the Tampa organization. He's been a head coach before at the college level. He was along with Dirk Cutter, very successful as the offense coordinator in the Jameis offenses. They put up a crap ton of points. They were top Goes 10 to Georgia. Top 10 every year. A four or five win football team with a top 10 offense every year. Back, Yeah, like back when he was with, um, what was it, uh, Southern Miss, was it? Or was yeah, it, I, I believe, I think it, it was, was Southern Miss and then it was Oklahoma it, State, wasn't yeah. it? And yeah, I, think I, those, I think those two years that he was head coach at Oklahoma State, he had like top three offenses in all of college football. Goes to Georgia, the past three years, they win national championships. He makes something out of Stetson Bennett, goes to the Ravens this year as the offensive coordinator, and he looks awesome. So it's like he to me, especially for no knowing that you have a big decision to make at quarterback, whether it's a young guy or a veteran, Munkin gets offenses. He mm-hmm. knows how to win when it comes to po- putting points on the scoreboard. That's the guy that I actually like a lot, who's not yeah. getting a ton of love in like the national, like there's not a lot of people I think talking about Todd Munkin in like the national, Oh, who's up next as head coach thing. But for Tampa specifically, I would, I would actually really. All, like and, him. and Munkin, I mean, people may not want to hear this, but Munkin did work with Baker Mayfield for a year in, in, in Cleveland. So if the Bucks decided to retain Baker Mayfield, which I think me and Rhett sort of both agree, like, I think Bowles and Baker are kind of a package deal. Like if Bull, I would, I said I would be shocked if Bowles was fired, but they kept Baker. Um, I just sort of think if Bowles is fired, you're kind of moving on and hitting the reset button. But if it's Todd Munkin, that could be sort of the window for for Baker to to stay there because of that familiarity. And and I also think it could help Mike Evans' chances of staying too. Like Todd Munkin was, I believe, what the wide receivers coach, or was he always the OC? But he I mean, obviously. The- OC I mean, and wide receivers coach. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. 16 yeah. and 17, and then he was only the offensive coordinator in 2018. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, that could really help Mike Evans' chances of, of staying in Tampa Bay if you know there's a guy who um, he's familiar with. So, yeah, Munkin, we haven't really talked about many head coaching candidates. I, I haven't even brought up Ben Johnson because I just, unless they get a top 10 pick, I'm not sure if the job's attractive enough for him. Um, I mean, there's tons of talent. I just... I don't know. I, I just feel like I'm not sure if that job's attracted to him compared to some other jobs that may open up. Um, I, I, I kind of would rather them get a guy who's got a ton of like NFL experience anyways. Not that Johnson yeah. doesn't. He's just like he's he's a young dude. Right. Ascended to offense coordinator. He's been great for Detroit over the last couple of years. But Munkin's Munkin's like been around the block, you know, like he's been a head coach in college before. He's been an offensive coordinator for NFL teams, for college teams. He's basically succeeded everywhere over the last, uh, I don't know, decade, decade and a half. So that's uh, anyways, I just wanted to kind of like shout him out. There oh, and, and also, yeah, one more note before before we move on. 
Todd Munkin right now working with Lamar Jackson. Who could the Bucks potentially draft? Jaden Daniels. Like, mm. obviously not the same sick. player, you know, but similar, right? It's a similar skill set where Munkin is has worked with a quarterback like this before, so I think it could help a guy Jaden Daniels there. Now, I mean, we'll get into potential draft in a little bit here before the end of the show. We do want to obviously you know Trevor is the, the draft expert, NFL Stock Exchange, by the way, Trevor. Uh, you guys, you and Connor just kill it. Um, Appreciate it, man. It, so. Thank you. Um, and uh, we'll get into all that draft stuff right before we, we close out here. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, Munkin with Jane Daniels could be a pretty good combo. I agree. Like, um, and I do agree that, like, yeah, he's not getting the national recognition like these other guys are. But um, I do think – and I also think, like, you mentioned um, the defensive coordinator from the Panthers. Uh, his name's escaping my it's mind. ever out. Yeah. It, it's got to be an offensive guy. Like it, it, so too, it's probably. gotta be, it's yeah. gotta be an like, all right. Like the defensive guy here is top bowls. Like it's, it has to be an offensive guy. And um, I know there's some that like are kind of holding out hope, like uh, that they give Canales another year and like, but like, I just don't really see that happening. Even if it's a defensive guy that gets the head coaching job. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, Munkin is an intriguing name that I also like, I do know that, uh, he has, I mean, who really wouldn't, but like he has interest in becoming a, a head coach too, like uh, it, at the NFL level. So, I mean, as one, right, in the college ranks, but as one consistently. And like you said, just even when the Bucks sucked, like the one thing that was reliable was that like, yeah, they're going to put up a bunch of points. And yep. like yep. Dirk Cutter, Dirk Cutter gave the offensive play calling to Tom Munkin and it looked better. And he just seems like you said, he, he that's the type of guy that gets offense. So wouldn't shock me. I, I don't know what the relationship was between Jason Light and Tom Munkin, but there's familiarity there already, just like there was with Light and Bruce Arian. So wouldn't shock me if Munkin is, and, and I mean, they interviewed him last year for the offensive coordinator job. So like, like, there's clearly interest from Tampa's side of things there, so it wouldn't shock me. Mm-hmm. Trevor, do you think there's added pressure to this Todd Bulls conversation because of how good this quarterback draft class is? I mean, we talk about the Bucks making the postseason and potentially picking it 19. And even then, you still kind of have a shot at getting what could be a potential future franchise quarterback with how deep this class is. You know, if it wasn't that kind of situation, if the Bucks were not in a position to potentially hang on to a top 10 pick you know is there as much discourse about the future of Todd Bowles is there more arguments as to why keeping him could be better in the long run or is it is it still the same conversation because of some of the coaching malpractice we have seen no I think it's probably the same conversation but there's there's no doubt that anytime that you have the ability to potentially draft a franchise quarterback, like it just, it, it, it multiplies things a little bit more, right? They're, they're picking right now 19th in the draft order, just because they have the division lead right now and to win the division in a post postseason game, the lowest that you could pick is 19th. So they're picking 19th, but you know, they have the same record as the Falcons and the saints and they're picking 11th and 12th, right? If, if Tampa would have lost yesterday, if they would have been five and eight, they would have been picking, well, the eight. Jets won two, right? So yeah, the Jets yeah, might have jumped them. They would have they would have been picking eight with strength of schedule. I'm looking at it right now. If they were five and eight, they would have been picking in the eight spot. So, you know, that would have been a top ten pick. And again, like we're kind of like having a different conversation at that point. You know, like you're still in range because there's a lot of teams in front of you that don't have a ton of wins more than they do. You know, you could potentially get within the top five. And anytime that that's the case, there's a lot of pressure there. But it's the 
more glaring part of it is just the on-field performances. You know, having not enough defensive players on the field. You know, having nine, all sorts of nine. defensive defensive <laughs> miscues. Yeah, nine's bad. Ten <laughs> ten's bad. Nine's worse. Uh, and so, well, it's two just, weeks in a row, they they've been without eleven players on the field against a touchdown. For a touchdown. Yeah. But you know what? I mean, what's Bowles going to say? The same thing he says every time. You got to coach it better. You know, and it's and you do, and I, I sort of, I sort of feel for him because. I, I do think the the players love him. I mean, I, I don't like they're clearly playing hard for him because if right. they wouldn't, then like Atlanta goes up yesterday and that's it. You know, like I they're clearly well, I playing think too, for it. There's there are a lot of guys on that roster that are playing for their jobs too, right? It's not, well, it's not a lot of, especially, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of players who are very invested in how many wins they get this season. And that's why at the very top of the show, it's like, hey, do you want them to would you rather them lose games or would you rather them win games? And it's like, okay, well. To the question you guys are answering, what raises the ceiling more? I think what raises the ceiling is probably hitting the reset button on a lot of this stuff. But nobody on this coaching staff is going to think that way. Nobody on this roster is going to think that way because there's so very few players and coaches that would actually have security if this team, like let's say they don't make the postseason, right? Let's say they don't win the division. Let's say they finish the year. Seven and ten. Let's say they, they yeah, go one se- three. Seven and ten and they don't make the postseason most a lot of people are getting fired like a lot of people on this the, the roster entire, the, entire, the entire coaching staff fired. would be gone right because yeah. you just don't have a lot you don't have things to hang your hat on so the only thing at this point certainly sitting at below 500 that they would have to hang their hat on is we made the division we hosted a playoff game that kind of stuff so um i don't know going back to your original question i don't know if it's added pressure that necessarily wouldn't have been there anyways but it is a factor knowing that this team has a lot of flexibility in what they're going to do at quarterback moving forward. Yeah, now we we talked about it, and right now they're picking 19. Let's say they hold on to the NFC South, right? Let's say they host that playoff game. Let's say they get eliminated in that playoff game, and they are picking 19th overall. We talked about the deep quarterback class, and we'll get into what type of players might be available at 19, but I want to get specifically into what are the quarterbacks that are going to be available at 19? Because obviously Caleb Williams, Drake may not going to be there. It's, I mean, two months ago, Jane Daniels might be there now. Mm-hmm. Probably not going to be there. Yeah. Uh, Bo, Bo Nix, probably not there. Uh, Michael Penix might be there mostly because of injury concerns, I think. But mm-hmm. uh, who are you thinking could be available? If the Bucks wanted to go quarterback, obviously last year at 19th overall, Will Levis was available. They passed, uh, which was, I mean, the right move. Kalijah Canthi has been, uh, you know, fantastic. He's awesome. But yeah, um, you know, obviously picking a 19th overall, there's going to be maybe one or two quarterbacks there. Uh, who do you think could be those guys, and do you think they'd be of any interest to Tampa Bay? Yeah, I think there's going to be three quarterbacks who wouldn't make it to 19: Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels. Like, I think, I think it's at this point, I think it's pretty much a lock that all three of those guys are not going to make it to 19. Yeah, I, I would they're, tell they're you, all, well, I, Caleb Williams and Drake May are going to go top three, and Daniels yeah, they're going to go top three. 10. And honestly, like, I think, I think Daniels is going top ten. I don't think, I don't think Daniels is getting out of the top ten. He's too talented. He's had too good of a year. He's improved too much year to year. He does so many things well. He's got, like you mentioned, he's got a similar skill set to Lamar Jackson. I don't think he was. Lamar was a better passer for a little bit longer before he got into the NFL and he still went 32, but I don't think the NFL is going to make that same mistake again. So I think Daniels is going to go top 10. Um, I think Bo Nix and Michael Penix certainly have could be there. I think JJ McCarthy is another one. I don't, 
I'm much I'm lower on JJ McCarthy than it seems like a lot of people in the NFL circle. I am, I am too. Yeah. So I think there's a chance he's not there, but I don't. Well, it also depends on who's picking anyways. ahead of them. Too, of, of course, right? But I do think that if they're picking at 19, I think they'll have the chance to pick Bo Nix or Michael Penix. I, I think both of those guys will be on the table. I, McCarthy's kind of a wild card. Shador Sanders, if he goes into this class, I think is another person that you think about there, but I don't think he's going to be, I think he's going to go back to Colorado. So um, that's, I I just don't think that he's going to be in this class. So the main two are Knicks and Penix. Like, do you believe these guys are starting caliber quarterbacks, franchise type of players? And there are times when I watch these guys and I think that they can be. And then there's other times where I just go, oh man, the consistency is, is just still fleeting from these guys. You know, they're, I, I, I really like Nix's potential, man. I, and I hated him in Auburn. I, I thought he was, I thought he was not even close to an NFL player when he was at Auburn. These last two years at Oregon, sure, things have been a little bit easier from, from a scheme perspective, but he still had plenty of chances to show off that NFL type of arm and not just with distance, but like velocity too. He can really put some good zip on it. He's got some beautiful, between zone coverage types of throws with great rhythm. And he's a good playmaker with his legs. He's a, he's a legit RPO type of a quarterback as well. So he gives you that ability. Penix, he's just got a flamethrower for an arm. He's thrown for so many yards this season. And when he's throwing the fastball, I mean, he's been as good as anybody in college football, but he's somebody who he doesn't have great mechanics. You know, it's it, the, the, the lower body is not always married with the upper body. He's got kind of an unorthodox release. He's got the in- injury history that you take into account. And, you know, because of that, the ball placement's not always there for him. So, you know, sometimes it's like, all right, the receiver caught it, but it was a really difficult catch and Pennish could have made that a lot easier. You can lead the receivers a little bit easier. That kind of pinpoint accuracy and ball placement is so important when you're making that jump from college to the NFL. So, those are two guys where you could watch some of their highs and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the best of what they bring to the table. They're NFL type of quarterbacks, but can they do that enough consistently? I think is the big question and why they would probably be available at 19, but that also doesn't mean that they wouldn't be worthwhile investments. Who's the, and and this might be a, a tough question, but in your opinion with who you think, and it's also tough because you don't know who the head coach is, but mm-hmm. With who you know is going to be most likely on a roster, let's say Mike Evans is back, Chris Godwin's back, offensive line's pretty much in intact still. Rashad White's there. Of those two guys, who do you think is probably the better fit in Tampa Bay? Um, yeah. To me, I, I think the head coach matters. And let's say, yeah, let's say fits. for this exercise, let's say it's Todd Munkin. Let's just say it's Todd Munkin. Probably panics. Okay. Mm, but. Man, but Munkin did some really great things with Stetson Bennett's like RPO rushing ability, and certainly working with Lamar. We know that as well. I think that I think that Nick's skill set because Penix is is much more of a pocket passer. He's not a dual threat type of quarterback. So, man, for the vertical offense, like Munkin has been a vertical offense type of dude, right? When he was at Southern Miss, when he was at Oklahoma State, when he was certainly with the Buccaneers. I mean, he was just a vertical offense type of a guy. And so if that's what he's going to bring to the table with guys like Trey Palmer and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and, and those types of receivers, Penix does that more now, like today. So it would be less difficult to see that translation from one to the other. Um, so I guess 
with Monk and I might say Penix, but um, does your answer change if Todd Bowles and Dave Canales are here? If Dave Canales is there, I probably like Knicks better. And it's kind of a tough question because like I have Knicks ranked higher anyways. So yeah. it's weird for me to say, yeah, I'd rather give them Penix because I have Knicks ranked higher. Um, I think that he's got better ball placement. I think he's got better accuracy um, and just turnover worthy plays. I mean, like he has some of the lowest turnover worthy play numbers of any quarter starting quarterback in college football over the last two years. So he takes care of the ball really well. So it's hard for me to kind of like look beyond that. Um so yeah, I mean that's kind of my answer. It, it, it's a, it's a toss up in, in in those ways, but I suppose I should probably just stay true to my rankings and just say Knicks. Taking a look at how the Bucks are expected to finish this season, you know we still have a few games left, still have a couple of big division games left, and still have a shot at the postseason. So I want to ask you, Trevor, how do you see this season shaking out? You already brought up a, a lot of guys out there coaching and playing for their jobs. Not only the free agents playing for new contracts, but guys like Baker Mayfield, you know, maybe some tryouts for other teams. We talked before this season about the possibility of other teams seeing some value in him at the quarterback position. There's quite a few QB needy teams in the NFL, especially after this season. What a nightmare. But how do you think things ultimately shake out for the Bucks with this coaching staff, with everything that we've seen from this team? Do you have the confidence that they can, you know, stack together some important division wins here down the stretch or you know, against tougher competition when their backs are against the wall. So far, when they've been in that situation this season, they have not shown up. Do you think it's going to look like that? Do you think they make it interesting? And, and do they ultimately make the postseason? Yeah, because, you know, it's 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 funny. I was, um, I can't remember which show I was on a couple of weeks ago, but it was before the Colts game. So it was right after the 49ers game, which they were never going to win that 49ers game. Yeah. And they had, what was it, seven games left with the Indianapolis and, and Panthers game that's the next two on the schedule. And you kind of looked at this Bucks team at that point, and despite their record and despite the overall apathy, lack of excitement for where the team was, you can make a case they could win all seven of those games, right? The schedule is that bad. <laughs> like, at the time, I think the most difficult one would have been Jacksonville, mm -hmm. but Jacksonville's a super hot and cold team. I think the Packers are much better. Certainly over the last two weeks, they've shown that they're a lot better. So I think that's going to be a tough one, especially in Lambeau next week. But, you know, they lose to the Colts, but barely. I mean, they beat the Panthers because they should have beat the Panthers. You end up beating the Falcons because it's a division game. And now you got games against the Packers, which are a good team. I think they're probably going to lose that one. You're hosting the Jags. I mean, the Jags are going to give you their best because they're going to be competing for where they're going to stack up in the playoffs. But it's like Jacksonville's been up and down this entire season, too. They're one of the most hot and cold teams in the country. So you could win that game. You've already beat the Saints in New Orleans. Now you're hosting them. And the teams that I mean, that team is also incredibly high variance. And then you end with the Panthers, who are the worst team in the NFL. So for as much as we talk, it, it's just this whole season has been wild. Because the Bucs are not very good. Like they're 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 just not a very good football team. And yet the because of the schedule, you go, yeah, they could win that game. And that's kind of the case down the stretch here. So I think they win. Uh I think I mean they're gonna at least beat the Panthers. The Panthers are terrible. So I think that they is that gonna be their only win? 
If, if if they if they lose to the Panthers week eighteen, Todd Bowles is fired like that. Oh well, I mean on the spot. <laughs> yeah, it won't it won't take, take it won't take very long to get to that point. I actually think they. All right, I'll give them two wins. I'll give I was gonna say it's basically two and two or one and three. I don't right. think there's well, anybody right. thinking right. three and one. But right. the type of team that they have been this year, you had to convince yourself to give them two wins. Like it almost felt like a pity. They're gonna win two games. I did, but then I'm also thinking about where the Saints have been. Like, and they're yeah. and they're bad. And, after, and uh, so I'll yeah. say this: two after that, safe one. after that loss to Indy, uh, was was really when I was at the end of my rope. You know, that was a game to me that if they were gonna prove to me down the stretch that they were worth a damn into the postseason, they had to beat that that Colts team, and they just didn't. You know, Gardner mm-hmm. Minshew was inconsistent. He was not playing his best ball. He was hot and cold that day, which was really weird. Uh, but there were multiple times they could have taken advantage and won that game, and they just haven't been able to do that this year. Whenever they've played Philadelphia, Detroit, all of these good teams, they get absolutely murdered. Like, it's not even close. They haven't really shown signs of life. I know we were all excited about that first half against San Francisco, but that game ultimately got away from them. You know, there were Mm -hmm. a couple of games this year where you went into it and you're like, yeah, they should win, and they didn't. Uh, This team showed me that they know how to find more ways to lose this year. And this is a quote that you said on our show like five or six years ago. And and I bring it up every year whenever the Bucs reach that point. The Bucs are bad until they're not. And that's how I felt about the team this year. Like I didn't have very much confidence that they were going to be able to stack wins. Now that was before two back-to-back division wins, but Atlanta was awful. Desmond Ritter played like an ass bucket. And Carolina's the worst team in the NFL. So, you know, how good which, do these which, wins... Which, by the way, the, the Bucks only beat that worst team in the NFL by three points. So. By three points. Right. Yeah. So how good do these wins leave you feeling? And I know that no, a lot of people... right, right. I know that a lot of people have given us hell this season for talking about how negative we've been because, yes, we, the Bucks still have a shot at the postseason. And we're we came on... It. You would have thought if, if nobody watched that Bucks-Panthers game and you just listened to our podcast, you would have thought the Bucks lost by 10. The, the, the way we are talking about how they played, you would have thought because like the Bucks went up 21 to 10 or whatever. Like that game's got to be done. Like yeah. that game has to be finished. And the Panthers had the ball with a chance to tie or take the lead. The Bears, week two, had the ball with a chance to tie or take the lead. It took the Vikings three turnovers in the first half for the yeah. Bucks to beat them by three. Also, the Bucks can thank the Minnesota Vikings if they make the playoffs. The, Vi- the Bucks beat the Vikings, and then the Falcons had the lead against the Vikings, and the then the Falcons, you know, falconed and, and choked it. Um, if those two games are different, yesterday's game really doesn't matter, I think. Um, but really, before we get out of here, okay, let's say that you, you predicted two and two. I'm also saying two and two. I have a tough time, like, with how much trouble they've had against New Orleans in the past. They swept them last year. It was a tough two games. Probably shouldn't have won that Monday Night Football game. But um, this year, beat New Orleans again. Like, Are they going to sweep them for a second straight year? I don't know. But, I mean, they look bad. So, And then they're banged up. They're really hurt. So mm. let's say they go 2-2, two and 8-9. Two, and nine. I'm going to ask you two questions. One, are the Bucs and NFC South champions going 2-2? Two and two? And two, regardless of if they are or not, Week one of twenty twenty four is you don't have to name it, have a name, but is their head coach Todd Bowles? Uh, if they go two and two, I think they're. I mean, one of their victories is going to be a division victory. It's going to be Carolina, and the other one's either going to be, I think, Jacksonville or the Saints. I mean, if they go, at, at, if Atlanta, they go, Atlanta has 
Carolina, Indy, Chicago, and New Orleans down the stretch. Oh man! So everybody could just cannibalize each other. If they go two and two, I think that they win the division. I guess because sure. they've got the tiebreaker. So if they go two and two, I think they're eight and nine. I think they win the division. Uh, I think they'd host a playoff game. I think they'd play Dallas or they'd play Philadelphia. Uh, I think that it would be very, very clear they are not on the level of either of those two teams. And no, I don't think that Ty Bowles would be the head coach next year. That would be my answer to that. Also, I just want to say I'd love that you brought up that quote that uh, that I said from a couple years ago. Because that quote was the only way that I could stay sane. I mean, that was the that was the end of the Jameis Winston era, yeah. and we we went into every single week like this team could score with any team in the NFL, and it was just a different way for them to shoot themselves in the foot. And I remember I I had to say to Scott Reynolds at one point, I was like, I'm done, I'm done picking them, I'm done <laughs> with the what if. The team is bad until they prove otherwise. And so I was able for me, it was a way for me to just stay sane as that season was ending because i didn't have to think about picking them anymore i was just like nope i'm not doing it they're bad they're gonna lose it was the show that we recorded after the loss in lambo against the packers it was it overtime yeah it was overtime to to brett hunley it was overtime to brett hunley yeah so that's uh that's where that was and um really quick actually a, a quick note about the the bucks game next week which packers play tonight monday night against the giants mm. um Matt LaFleur, as Packers head coach, has not lost in the month of December. So there, there's that. <laughs> That's there's, what a stat. Yeah. Has, they've, has won, not, they've won a lot with Matt LaFleur. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers has been there, and and, and that's a you know yeah. a good, Six, a good 16 and 0. 16 and 0 in the month of December for Matt LaFleur. Damn. That's like Mahomes, right? Mahomes like has never lost in the month of what was it, September or something? I think it's I think it might be September. Yeah, September, well, I mean, like he's, he, he's he lost, never to, lost to Detroit, but it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of this NFL season plays out for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A lot on the line for the quarterback, the head coach, the rest of that staff. Everybody on the team at this point is playing for something. So I'll be honest oh, yeah. with you. Yeah, let me let me just ask Trevor a bonus question. You don't think Todd Bowles the head coach? Is Baker Mayfield the quarterback? And you don't. And again, you don't have to say whether they're going to draft one, whether they're going to, you know, bring back Jameis Winston, which we know is on the table. Um, you know, <laughs> um, that when you want to talk about selling tickets, that might sell some tickets. Uh, um, I think it's. I think it's more likely that Baker Mayfield's back next year than Todd Bowles. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, I do because just just because like again, like when it's going good with Mayfield. It's it's just so easy to love the dude. Like it's, I mean, he. I, I was, I, you know, I was watching um, some of the game back this morning, and Rashad White had an awesome run. I think it was on like a third down conversion. It was like a third and short. It was like a third and two, and he ended up taking it like eight, nine, ten yards down the field. And he gets tackled by somebody, and you just see somebody sprint in the camera view and help him up and tap him on the helmet. It's Baker. Yeah. Like Baker's the first dude over there to like help him up off the ground, tap him on the head and say like, good job. Like that's somebody you want to play with. That's what that's somebody you want to play for. Now, like you can't, you don't win football games off vibes, you know, like you don't win off of just like being a, like a fun friend to play football with. You win it after, from being efficient, doing your job and doing Tell what that you to James Winston. Well, you know, James could win. James could win a game off of vibes. Let me tell you, he's the best um, I've, player I've, the I've NFL, seen too many of them. But Mayfield, that's why I say, right now, 
I think Mayfield's got much more good graces or much more of a, yeah, you know, maybe, what about this guy than Todd Bowles does at this point? So yeah. it, it would be an interesting, uh, like you guys said, he's not under contract. So whoever the new head coach that, is. That's what worries, the contract worries me. Right. And and it's not even a, you know, how sometimes guys get hired and then it's like, hey, we're hiring you. Like, for example, Carolina, Carolina, this offseason, their entire head coach approach is going to be, can you fix Bryce? Like, actually, not even can you fix Bryce is going to be fix Bryce. That's it. That's like the, that's the number one thing that you have for the Bucks. They're when they open up, if if they open up their head coaching search, it's basically like a, you talk to us about our quarterback position. What have you seen in Baker Mayfield? Do you like him? Cause if you don't, we probably can move on, but you got to give us a better, you got to give us a better solution. And I think Mayfield is where all of the bucks co- quarterback conversations will start next year. It's basically, that's going to be the floor. It's going to be, what do you think of this guy? And if you don't love him, you tell us who you like better. You know, you tell us, oh, oh, you you like these quarterbacks in the draft better. You like this free agent better. You think we can go after. But basically, it's like Baker probably would stay in Tampa. Well, Uh I mean, especially if if they're not high enough to if they don't love any of the quarterbacks in the draft. I think Mayfield is back because look at this point, they're not starting Kyle Trask like that. that No, no, no. The Trask stuff is done. Yeah, Yeah, that's he's going to be on the roster next year. He's like he's cheap enough, whatever. But like. The, look at the free agent quarterbacks, folks. Like it's Kirk Cousins who's coming off a major injury, and then Baker Mayfield's probably the second best quarterback available. Right, like, right. You right. know, so there's there's not really much of an option. So that's um, and that's and that's why I say like he's got a better chance than Todd Bowles to me of being back because you have to do better than him if you're not going to resign him. Now yeah. I, I guess. He could ask for a crazy amount of money. That, that, and again, that's what scares me. That that's, depends on his market, right? Like everybody yeah. talks about like, oh, the Geno contract or like something like that. Like, we'll get less than that. Geno made the Pro Bowl. Like, Baker's right. I mean, uh, right. And that's the thing is like everybody talks about like the Geno contract. It's like, okay, the Geno contract existed because Geno played his, played his butt off. The team won. The team was successful. And there were multiple other teams out there that would have signed Geno to be their starting quarterback. Possibly the Buccaneers. It, right. Is that <laughs> the case with Baker? I don't know if he has that same kind of market. So I think it's a different conversation with him. Final, final, final question for Trevor here. I know we've been meaning to wrap up for like the last 10 minutes, but I, I swear this is it. This is back about Baker Mayfield and the topic of the Buccaneers quarterback. This is what happens when we only get them on like two or three I, times a I, year. I we got to get them all in. I also talk a lot. So anytime, <laughs> anytime I'm on a podcast and people are like, all right, like one last question or like sometimes I'll be on a pod and they'll say like, hey, we're going to go, you know, 45, 50 minutes and we'll go like hour, hour, 10, whatever. And be like, I'm so sorry about that. It's like, brother. I'm the one who talks a lot. Hey. Like, it's fine. Like, I, 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 it's me. Like, I know it's, that's probably why we're going a little bit longer. Nobody's complaining. That's why we bring you on the pod is to talk. You're, you're a great talker, but I want to hear, uh, <laughs> I want to hear you talk about this potential scenario uh, for the people who want the bucks to kind of have their cake and eat it too. Let's just say for the sake of this exercise, the bucks go eight and nine. They get eliminated first round of the playoffs. They decide mm-hmm. to retain Todd Bowles and David Canales. Mm-hmm. And then Baker Mayfield's back. Oh, yeah, yeah, you freaking gave him the David Canal. It's not even Dave. Yeah, David. Yeah, I used I used the government name. <laughs> went, yeah, it went legal documentation right there. <laughs> so let's say let's say Canalis is back as OC. Bowles is here. Baker is here. Does that also change their approach? I mean, obviously it does a little bit. Does it change their priority list in the draft, or do you think there's still a yeah. decent chance that at number nineteen 
they swing on, on a QB, or can you really not do that with Baker being yeah, back in the actually? Fold? Yeah, the thank you, Rip, because I wanted to ask him about potential other options at nineteen. Mentioned it earlier in the pod, and completely forgot about it. So. Um, no, I don't think so. I think that if you're if you're bringing back all parties, it would be sort of strange to. I mean, if look, if, if Jaden somehow made it to nineteen, you probably don't pass on him, but. You know, the reason why you don't draft Will Levis last year when they had that situation is because I think that they were in on Baker. And I think that they were of the the thought process of like, hey, we're trying to be the best football team that we have that we can be here. Baker's on a one year deal. Todd, this is probably what Jason thought is like Todd's kind of on a one year prove it deal at this point at head coach. There's no sense in us drafting a quarterback just to then maybe change the entire regime and the new regime not even liking Will Levis at all. So to me. If you're bringing back Todd Bowles, if you're bringing back uh, David Canales, uh, David James Canales, I don't know what his middle name is. Um, if you're bringing back Baker Mayfield and all that, you're pretty much still all in. I mean, you believe that the NFC South is truly going to be bad. You can win the division again, which, I mean, maybe you can. You know, I think Atlanta might be a team that could take it certainly a step up next year, but I don't, I'm not really convinced the Saints can do that. I think they're going the opposite direction. Carolina is too far away at this point. So if if you did all that, like you're re-signing Mike Evans, like you're probably letting Devin White walk, you're re-signing Mike Evans, you're keeping the veterans there, you're like you're keeping Dean and Davis, like those guys aren't going anywhere. You're probably not getting rid of Shaq either. Like you're just saying we're going for another division before we maybe reset it the year after that. But to me, no, you don't draft a quarterback at 19 in the first round. If you're bringing all these players back, you're drafting a you're drafting probably the best pass rusher that you can, honestly, because the pass rush just got to be way better from the defensive line of this team. So you're drafting a pass rusher, um, maybe an interior offensive lineman, but probably not in the first round. That's probably more of a day two thing. You're not drafting a running back in the first round. Um, Wide maybe, receiver, like maybe, if, yeah, I mean, if, like I mean, I don't think Rome's gonna be there, but like maybe he could be. I don't know. And this wide receiver class is like super stacked. Honestly, like I'd just be honed in on edge rusher. Like yep. I'm trying to get the best edge rusher possible. Dallas Turner from Alabama, Latu Latu from UCLA, Chop Robinson from Penn State, uh, Jared Verse from Florida yeah. State, Braylon Trice from Washington. Like those are the dudes. I don't know if I can take right another there. pass rusher from Washington. I think Maybe. the Bucks have, have saw that with Joe Tryon-Shoenka, and I don't know if that's going to work. Maybe not Washington outside of Joe Tryon-Shoenka, but this young nucleus for this Bucks defensive line. I mean, V. Devea already locked in, but you know the emergence this year, especially of Kalijah Kansi, Yaya Diaby. If you can just get one or two more edge rushers in the mix, yeah. there. I mean, you hope yeah. that at some point Shaq Barrett can start playing like the player the Bucks wanted him to. Um, but he's getting older and he's coming off in a kill. I don't, like, I don't, yeah. I don't think Shaq Barrett's back next year, no matter what. What's I his just, contract? I, I think they'll have to. He'd have to be a post June one uh, designation, I, I think, for them to save anything. But I just. I just don't know if he's going to be back. Okay, so yeah, he's under contract for. I don't know why. Why will you not let me scroll? Because up? I think they have some void years in there with him too. I could be wrong. Yeah, they have four void years. Whoa. Okay, <laughs> but it's all spread out. So, oh damn, yeah, a lot of it's on the. Okay, so they would be able if they do post June cut, they save. Four million on his contract. Oh, so almost five, basically five million dollars on his contract. Um, 
But then I think you accelerate some of those void years too. So I mean, honestly, I but like the Falcons were missing four starting offensive linemen yesterday, and I didn't even know Shaq Barrett played. He's yeah. gonna be 32 next year. He's gonna be 32 coming off like two years removed from an Achilles injury. Like the 2019 19 and a half sack Shaq Barrett. I I don't think it, it's exists going. anymore. Yeah, he, he's so, not coming back. <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah. That, I, I think that that would be my. I, I just edge rusher, man. If yeah. they, if this team and there's a chance they do this because Latu Latu from UCLA, he's been the most pro. He has been the most efficient pass rusher in college football over the last two years. He's not somebody who's like got like elite burst or anything, but the hands are incredible. The pass rush plans are are vast even already for a college player. I mean, he just knows how to get in the backfield and get to the quarterback. I, I would love him, and I think that if you get him, if you get some of those younger guys with a lot of explosiveness, the Marquise Watts, the Yaya Diabis, you've got the two interior guys. Like, you've still – Joe Trianchunic is still going to be on the roster, and then you throw Latu Latu in there or Dallas Turner in there. Like, that's that's well, what you want to have. And, and the interesting guys. note before we wrap up about Latu is – very comparable to Jalen Phillips, where the medicals, right? The medicals right. are a big thing with him. Jalen Phillips, the Bucks could be picking at 19th. Jalen Phillips was picked by the Dolphins at 18th. So yeah. it, it yeah. is a pretty good comparison there. Yeah. Two massively different off-seasons ahead for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's all going to depend on how this regular season shakes out. Uh, in my opinion, playoffs are bust. I, I, I'm a solid believer that, you know, this is a losing franchise. Two Super Bowls is great. It's fantastic. There's not a lot of teams in the NFL that can say they have at least two championships. But outside of that, the Bucks just don't have a history of winning. Still have possession of the worst win percentage in NFL history at 40.4%. That's not going to go away for a little while. You know, someone's got to do it. And I, I think for the Bucks. Not a lot of people like to hear it, but I, I don't give a damn about draft position. I, I really don't. I want wins, and I like rooting for the guys on our team. I like rooting for Baker Mayfield to potentially get a contract extension in Tampa Bay. You know, I can acknowledge that losing and getting a top 10 draft pick and potentially a new franchise quarterback, that could be what's best for the team, but it could not be. Look at the Carolina Panthers giving up the farm to go after Bryce Young, the number one overall pick in the draft, and... I'm not saying he sucks, but they've only won a single game this season. Uh, so it tells you kind of where they are as far as what rebuilding looks like. So while the Bucks have a chance at the postseason, as long as they have a chance at the postseason and something to play for, I'm going to root for them to win every single week. And, uh, you know, that's that's just the, uh, the, the way that I stand on it. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. Very special guest, Trevor Sykema. Thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure as always. I cannot gush enough about Trevor, how much I love having him on the podcast. But for the people who are not up to speed, where can they find you and your content? Well, uh, pff.com. Um, this is my first year as the lead draft analyst uh, for PFF. Been doing draft for a long time. This is my first time really heading all that stuff up. So um, we've been building out the 2024 PFF big board, uh, the mock draft simulator, all the rankings and everything. We've got more than 275 players already ranked for this upcoming class. So at any point, you know, whether it's uh, this week or maybe after the season, whenever you want to dip your toe into the NFL draft world, we got you over at PFF.com. And then after you guys listen to this wonderful podcast, uh, if you want to come over and listen to the NFL Stock Exchange with myself and Connor Rogers, we're talking draft two times a week over there uh, on audio and also on YouTube. But uh, Rhett and Evan, it's it's always awesome being on here with you guys. I, I appreciate you having me. This is a lot of fun for me to get to do. With me not being in Tampa anymore, I always love coming back on Buck shows because it's... Uh, 
it allows me to get to talk about it. And like when I cover the league from like a national level, I really don't get to talk about Tampa Bay much, especially now because they're not very good. And so uh, this is a lot of fun for me. So I appreciate you guys having me on as always. Do me a favor as a guy who does talk nationally about the NFL. Start pushing the Antoine Winfield agenda, please. I, I don't know why this guy's not even top 10 in Pro Bowl but voting at safety. I mean, that's an absolute disgrace. Can you name me three safeties who have been better than Winfield this season? No, no, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Look, and look, I unfortunately, you guys know how it goes. When players play really well in Tampa, they just don't get the recognition that they deserve. Yeah. Mike Evans is a future Hall of Famer. Levante David, Levante David be, is, a fu- is a future Hall of Famer. And I think Antoine Winfield Jr., for the type of player that he is, I mean, this is a Rondé Barber type of unique impact type of a football player who is also a Hall of Fame type of producer and talent player in the league. So, uh, yes, I will I will continue to try to push that narrative as much as possible. My man. Follow our show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Bucks News as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Check out his written work at BucksNation.com. What have you got this week, my friend? Yeah, going to be uh, obviously doing the, the Q&A with the Packers SB Nation site and also having our X-Factor out. Uh, I haven't decided who the X-Factor is going to be this week. Might depend on the injury report because the Buccaneers still this week will have some injury questions with Vita Vey, uh, Jamel Dean, Devin White. So we'll have to wait and see when that comes out. But uh, yeah, going to be having that this week. Last but not least, you can find myself Instagram and Twitter slash X at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T, A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. We'll talk to you guys later this week for our game preview show, getting ready for a December showdown in Lambeau. So uh, that that's going to be it's going to be fantastic. I, I just going to be really, cold, I think. Yeah, it, it's going to be cold and, and I cannot wait. I'll be watching from the warmth of my overpriced apartment. I'm your host, Rip Matthew, signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish, and our special guest, Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus. We'll talk to you later this week. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.